Jesus, we give you praise and we thank you for being with us, not just hearing us or listening to us, but being right here with us and in us. And as we abide in you and Father, just bring salvation and hope and peace to those that need your touch, freedom and healing to all of us that need to walk deeper in you. And God, we just thank you for this time, this moment, this place that we could come and share and hear your voice. So Father, we say thank you. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. And as we look at uh, today's sermon, I just want to do a refresher from last week. This is from Ephesians 4, Ephesians 4, 12, where it says their responsibility. Who is the there? Who is the there? Is that good English or grammar? I don't know. Who is the there? It just sounds kind of weird. But the there re refers to apes, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, the pastors, the teachers. That is the there that this is referring to. Their responsibility is to equip God's people, all of God's people, those that are followers of Jesus, those that profess to be Christians, to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Are we being equipped? Do you feel like you're being discipled? Do you feel as though you are learning how to listen to God's voice that he might use you? Or as I shared this morning, and maybe they're watching online, maybe they aren't, but uh, I doubt that they are. Um, I had a previous pastor that said, you bring them to the church and I'll get them saved. And I'm like, oh, but doesn't God do the saving? And I kind of understand the intent, maybe, possibly. But why do we have this thought that only the pastor can lead somebody in the sinner's prayer? Or only the pastor can reveal the mysteries of Scripture when it's not the pastor at all, but it's the Holy Spirit working in and through us that it shows who Jesus is. Do you feel as though if somebody came to you and said that I am in need, I need salvation, I need something to take away this pain, do you feel equipped that you could share of the hope that you have this hope of Jesus. If not, this is the desire of my heart. This is the desire of our local church this year that you would feel equipped, that we would be taking on this responsibility that God's given us to equip all of you, God's people, to do his work and build up the church, not tear down, not fragment, not point out the differences, to build up the church as we are the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith, unity in our faith, common unity, community, where we want to be together, we want to worship God together, where we are open to learning from others that might challenge us or God would use to even convict us to bring change in our lives so that we might be unified in our faith, in the knowledge of God's Son, that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. We become mature in the Lord. <clears throat> Or if you're more mature, you would say mature. If you want to become mature, you want to put away childish things. You want to think about how you can serve others, how to serve others. Well, we're going to talk about that in a little bit because the way of the dragon, the way of the lamb, that Wednesday life group, it talks about how selfish ambition in vain can see our demonic, being selfish, thinking about how you can lift up your standard, worrying only about your reputation when God wants you to worry about your character. This is how we can grow in maturity. Reputation is what you want people to know you as. Character is who you really are. Reputation is what you want people to think and know you for. Character is how God sees you, how he looks at your heart and knows you. 
then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. I want to talk on a few points on this verse, uh, verse 14. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. You have an anchor that holds firm and secure, steadfast, that you are not blown off dock, that you aren't blown away from that secure uh, anchor that holds you. By every wind of new teaching, I have to confess, and many of you know this already, that I might read a book or listen to a podcast or go to a conference and I have a new idea until I read another book, listen to another podcast or go to a different conference, then I have another new idea. And then you just feel like, well, what's that term, dad, when they took cows across the border you, and they got on the train, they got sick? Shipping fever. So we don't want to get shipping fever here at church because it refers to cows. But then uh, we don't want to get blown and tossed around where something sounds good that we start to apply it to our lives. But we want to stay steady with what Jesus says, what scripture says, even though this is huge. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us. Do you know the best lies are the lies that have a little bit of truth? The best lies are the ones that we want to desperately believe because it aligns with what we desire, not with what God wants. And this is the hardest part. They're so clever because they sound like the truth. So I can't remember their exact conversation, but it came up with Michael and how some people will take scripture and then they will use it to justify what they want to do. And you can't say, I want to do this. Let me find a verse that aligns and I can promote my thought, my agenda, my feeling. You have to look at what does scripture say? What's the context of scripture? What's the content, the, the language? What was God intending in this scripture? And how does my life have to change to adjust to that? Not saying I'm going this way. How can I bring scripture in to lift me up and to do what I want to do? I've shared it a million times, but well, not a million. That's hyperbole or it's a lie. So I'll say uh, several times. And it's from Colleen Car Carrier from a life group way back when. And she said, when I start to justify my actions, I know something's probably wrong. And I think for all of us, when we start to justify, but the Bible kind of says this so I can get away with doing what I want. Do not be tricked with the lies that are so clever. They sound like the truth. Be mature and complete. This is in James. But if you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth by boasting and lying. I coach basketball. I try to coach basketball. I'm actually an assistant coach for a basketball team. And our team, I try to be, um, what's the correct word? I try to be polite in how I talk about our team, but I don't think anybody on our team is going to play in college or get an offer to play professionally anywhere. And sometimes people will talk about your team and I start not to boast, but to kind of lie or evade the question because I don't want to face the facts of like, I'm either a really bad coach or we aren't a very good team or it's a combination of both. I would like to point and say, like, they're not a very good team, but I'm a really good coach, but it's probably a combination of both. And that's just a simple thing, how we start to twist the truth a little bit. We start to boast in what we do, and we start to place blame on others. We start to lift up ourselves, this selfish ambition, this bitter jealousy of why does that terrible coach have such a good winning team? Like, I'm a better coach than him, and how does his team win? And we start to get jealous and bitter and we boast and lie for jealousy.
and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Demonic? Are you serious? Like, God, that's kind of harsh. Like, can't you use a better word? Like, Paul, why are you saying like it's demonic? Well, it's because it's taking the focus off of who Jesus is and selfish ambition is putting the focus on yourself, what you thought you could accomplish, what you can do, what you strive for. The self-made man is a very lonely person because they believe that they can accomplish anything alone. When Jesus is saying, don't be selfish, rely on others and grow, being selfish is earthly and spiritual and demonic. So let that sink in. And before you start throwing ice balls at my truck, just think that Paul wrote this because God wanted him to so that we could learn from it and apply it in our life. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Do you want to walk in righteousness or do you just want to walk in your way? For whatever there, for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. Who watched any news this morning or opened a newspaper or uh, scrolled through something on their mobile device? Who looked at what's taking place in current events? Could you say that there is disorder and evil of every kind? Why? Well, I would suggest, based on what Scripture says, it's because of jealousy and selfish ambition. Because one country wants to take over another country or one person thinks that they're more dominant than somebody else or they think that their way is the best and they can't learn from someone else, there will be disorder and evil of every kind. This describes the world in which we live, but the hope is not saying, oh, what a terrible world we live in. It's Jesus has called us to something better, something different, so we don't have to be all about ourselves, being lifted up, getting that promotion. We can work hard so that God can be seen, that we take seriously his call on our lives. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Be honest to say, man, I, I struggle with pride. I struggle so much that I'm actually proud that I share that I struggle with my pride, which is such an interesting concept. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. Instead, Ephesians 4.15, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Instead, we will speak the truth in Instead, we will speak the truth in. Instead, we will speak the truth in. Well, I'm speaking in love, but man, I am mad at you. We will speak the truth in love, knowing that God's love brings conviction in such a tender, meek, wooing way that people find it the healing balm, that, that ointment that comes to soothe and make better. It's not, oh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. But God's medication, his healing is a soothing ointment that comes. It's not, oh, I got to do it because God says so. But we realize it gives us peace and hope that helps us. He makes a whole body fit together perfectly as each part does in its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. 
It's easy to speak the truth in love if you are full of love. If you are not full of love, if you're full of selfish ambition and jealousy and bitterness, then you need to ask God to remove that. You need to find yourself so enamored with who Jesus is, with what Scripture says, that whenever we go somewhere, we have love on our lips, quick to be spoken to someone, to someone, that they might know the soothing, healing balm, the ointment that Jesus gives to us. The human body has many parts, but many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. This is an illustration. This is not literal. This is uh, an illustration. We were actually watching a stupid show. <laughs> it, it was a stupid show, but um, it was a comedy. And they cut off the fingers because they got the answers wrong. And then they wrapped them up in a towel. And it was just kind of, it was a stupid show. But I was like, is it like the whole body? If you're missing your fingers, you aren't like, you are physically whole, complete. We actually had um, Mr. Neal. I don't even know what he did for work, but I remember when I was a kid and I shook his hand. I was a kid and I shook his hand and it didn't feel like I was shaking like everybody else's hand that I ever shook or shook, shake in my life. Just shaking his hand. He had half fingers and fingers missing because I don't know what happened, but he was an old time Vermonter. And uh, when you shook his hand, like he wasn't whole, like his hand was not, and it was, wow, something's missing. Something's incomplete. Now, that's just an example of spiritually, we can be whole. You can be missing a finger and still be whole. Mr. Neal, he was completely whole in who he was in Jesus. But I just remember as a kid shaking his hand, I was like, huh. What about people that attend a local church and they come in and they're like, huh, meeting with Christians? Like, I thought it'd be more embracing. It'd be more loving. It'd be like shaking a, a whole hand, but it feels like there's something incomplete. It feels like there's something missing. They're lacking love or they're lacking. What if we really functioned as the whole body of Christ? If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. We are greater together, but God has something individually for you to accomplish. We are greater together, but God has something individually for you to accomplish. In Romans, we find rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with those who mourn. We can be those people that have somebody come in and they share of a loved one that passed away and we can show great empathy with them. We can also be a church, a Christian, that somebody can come into this place and say, I got a brand new job and I got a phenomenal raise and part of it is this amazing new car and we can not be bitterly jealous, but we can also rejoice with those that rejoice. Maybe it's just me, but I find it much more easy to mourn with those that mourn. It's like, man, I feel for you. But rejoicing with those that rejoice when, oh, but... He's such a bad coach and his team keeps winning. Like, why am I happy for him? Or how do you get that raise? Like, I work as hard as him and he shouldn't be driving that car. And we can rejoice with those that rejoice and mourn with those that mourn because God is calling us to such things. By this, everyone, John 13, 35 says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. I wish it said as. 
but it's not an automatic thing. It's if, if you will respond in obedience, if you will take the necessary steps to change your life or allow God to change your life, if you walk in love, if you love one another, if you obey Jesus, then people will know that you are his disciples. If you love. So Ephesians 4.16, it says, He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each part does its own special work. It helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Everything that is growing is not healthy. Everything that is growing is not healthy. But healthy things grow. Healthy things grow. Healthy people grow. Seeing little Grace, who, if she looks at me, she'll probably give me a frown, but seeing little Grace walk in here, like she wasn't being carried. She wasn't in her carrier. She like was walking and she wasn't just walking, but she was like kind of running and jogging in here. Healthy things grow and seeing Grace just move, seeing that she has grown from that infant in the little carrier, seeing her beautiful smile and she's just adorable. Just seeing her and seeing her grow is so exciting and God wants us to be growing in the same way spiritually. He wants us to have a new understanding of who he is so we can walk in wisdom. He wants us to understand it's not just about ourselves and what we can accomplish, but it's who he is so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Church is not where, well, kids, when you get older and you can give us money, then we'll start listening and learning from you. Church is not, well, you're too old, and so you can't really hear real well, so you don't understand the whole context of everything I was saying, so your voice, well, it was better when you were, you know, middle-aged. Church is not to be segmented and fragmented. Church is the body of Christ, made up of many different parts, many different ages, many different backgrounds, so we can all reflect to one another who Jesus is, that he loves us. In your background, your upbringing, God wants to say, I want to use that difficult time or that time of rejoicing to build up the body of Christ. Because just maybe there's going to be somebody that attends this local church or that you find in your community that needs to know your story. Perhaps it's a story where you came from abusive ways, from broken paths, and they just need to know that Jesus was with you then and he's your savior now. Maybe it was, man, my life was so good, I didn't even need Jesus. My life was so good that everything was just hunky-dory. My life was just so good, but I just want to share with you, I thought it was so good, but it was lost. Something was missing. I needed Jesus. And we can share that for one another. We don't have to be ashamed of our past. We could just look to Jesus and say, thank you, God, because you have a plan for my life, not just for me, because that's demonic, but for me to be used by you to share with others the hope that you gave, the salvation that you have, the freedom that you give, the peace that we can live in the righteousness that is for us so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of. Full of love. So. I'd love to say, hey, I planned this because Valentine's Day is next week and you need to be full of love too. But obviously God is gracious and he said, hey, you could tie in, come in next week because Valentine's Day and we need to continue in love. But I just want us to understand 
that as we are walking in this thing called life, people need to see Jesus and Jesus wants to use you. People need to see Jesus, and he doesn't just need to be introduced to some pastor, some apostle, prophet, evangelist, past, teacher, shepherd. He wants to use you because we can give hope and we can say, yeah, man, I mourn and I rejoice. And sometimes, and I'm not making light of it, I am so serious. I wish you could understand. You feel bipolar where you just feel like such an extreme, like, oh, God, I could not be closer to you. And then, oh, God, I could not be further away because I'm just seeking what I want. I just, and God just wants to say there's hope and healing in me. So instead of looking at, oh, how you feel or what you want, just say, God, I just want to find that I'm not so selfish or jealous or looking at others, but I just find my completeness in who he is, who Jesus is, that we might be healthy and growing and full of love. Won't you stand as we just close? Jesus, we thank you for the calling that you have on our life. Father, we thank you that we could take steps with authority and boldness to know that you are with us. We thank you, God, that we can struggle and we can be tempted and we can be drawn and pulled away, but you give us victory. We thank you that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for us that are in you. Father, may we see the lost and seek them out that they might know your truth, your forgiveness, your love. And it's in your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. We're just going to close with a song and consider yourself dismissed.